You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey, everybody. This is episode two of the Small Moves Podcast. Today, we're going to be interviewing Dory Martin. Dory Martin is the proprietor of a company called Optimal Health by Design. She's a specialist in functional diagnostic nutrition. Uh, There is a website out there called functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com to read a little bit more about what that is. Uh, Dory's background is she came from the corporate world. Uh, She has two younger kids that she ended up going through some fairly traumatic health related background with regard with regards to the people in her family and uh it sort of changed her path from the corporate world going more into nutritional medicine and uh the the story that she has is actually pretty extraordinary i'm going to leave a lot of it to um to Dory's storytelling she's a lot better at telling the story than i am um if you want to go to her website optimalhealthbydesign.com you can find out a little bit more information about her um i really enjoyed this interview dory gave me a lot of stuff to think about with regards to thinking about the underlying causes of conditions that both i and you know members of my family have had in my life um as well as that as a lot of people that i know so um i really enjoyed this conversation i hope you guys do too again this is episode two with dory martin and let's get after it here we go hey this is john lee dumas of eo fire and you're listening to the small moves podcast small steps for big progress let's prepare to ignite hey dory welcome to the show hey so happy to be here thanks for inviting me yeah no problem yeah so i you and I were just talking offline about um, how you sort of transitioned from the corporate world into having your own um, holistic health coaching practice. And before we really dive too much into sort of the nitty gritty, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about um, what how, what was that transition? When did you make that transition? And I guess really why did you make that transition? Like what was it that made you decide to make that sort of a shift? Wow. Actually, there were two shifts. One, uh, like a baby step and then a big giant leap. Uh, the first one was when I was a single mom. I had two small boys and was in the corporate world and finding that I um, wasn't able to find work-life balance. And so, you know, I thought, well, you know, I'm working this uh, corporate job. It was a uh, really challenging. Um, and I really like to give 110%, but, uh, I couldn't do that because then I couldn't parent very well. And so I went from being an operations person to doing, uh, recruiting and that didn't offer work-life balance. So I shifted into proposal writing. So I actually really tried a lot of different things and, uh, proposal writing, actually you do it 24 seven and the deadlines were pretty intense. And so one night my two boys were really small and, uh, they were playing. what What kind of proposal writing? Oh, uh, so I worked for uh, a law firm, and so we were trying to get some um, business from you know companies that it was municipalities, and so there was just so many steps and things that you need to do in order to get a proposal out, and so each time you know I had a template, but it was just very very tedious, and so um, and as it was proposal writing, I thought it would give me more flexibility, but I ended up working all hours. So eleven o'clock at night one day, uh, my two small boys, I think they were. 
oh, I want to say um, two and four. At the time, they were playing Buzzy, Buzz and Woody at 11 o'clock at night. I'm chasing a deadline. They should be in bed. Buzz jumped on Woody and the nursemaid's elbow got dislocated. They told me how to do it because it happened before, but I was just flapping his arms around. He was not happy. So at midnight, I'm driving my Buzz and Woody down to, that's not their real names, by the way, to the hospital. And, you know, at what, two in the morning, I realized this is not sustainable. I'm chasing a deadline. I am not parenting very well. And they're my priority. So, you know, something has got to give and it's not going to be the kids. So it's going to be my job. So, um, I decided I should do something else, and I thought, I'm going to calm my life down, I'm going to have work-life balance, and I'm going to do something that's more true to my personality. And so I really wanted to go into traditional Chinese medicine, but that takes four years and uh, time I just didn't have. And so um, I just I was looking up, you know, acupressure, acupuncture, finger pressure, shiatsu, massage therapy, Eastern and Western modalities. It includes traditional Chinese medicine. I thought, why not? I'll do that. Uh, so I um, shifted a lot of things in my schedule and went to school and graduated. Now, didn't really think this through because I thought, well, you know, they make a lot of money each session. Well, they have to book a session. They have to find clients. There's marketing involved. Uh, but I was really lucky. I worked in a health and wellness center that was pretty busy. Um, we have, uh, you know, we had a lot of athletes come in. We were near a uh, famous football, uh, you know, company next door. And so it was a really, it was really a great transition into a calmer way of living. And so that was my first transition into the world of health and healing. And then uh, years later, um, I met a wonderful man who um, was really great to my kids. And I thought, you know, he's, he's the one, but he had all of existing health issues. And so I was trying to help him through that. And um, it, basically uh, wasn't doing anything because I didn't really have any professional training in, uh, you know, serious health issues. And uh, as I, so I thought, you know, um, he needed to lose a lot of weight and he had other, you know, uh, his blood sugar levels were not so great. Um, he had a heart condition. I mean, just he had, you name it, if he, you know, if he had uh, structural issues, broken back. And so um, he had a lot of pain. And so I wanted to do something to help his situation. And so we started, of course, with first dealing with weight. And it was very much a ready, shoot and aim process. I was reading a lot. I was looking at kind of all the books. I was looking at the, you know, the latest research research and um, it just wasn't working. And I was actually doing some harm. Uh, we were on a juice fast and one day um, he, his gums started bleeding, his hair started falling out. And I thought, I need to really learn how to do this right. This is not okay. <laughs> and so, because um, I added, you know, bleeding gums and less hair to this whole mix when he's had other health issues going on. And so ultimately I thought, you know, I, I found a program called Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. I signed up for that. And as I was getting certified and uh, getting, you know, the answers to solve a lot of the questions that we were dealing with, uh, he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And so, yeah, that made me dig deeper and jump in in a whole different level when something like that happens. At first, you're in shock. And then um, for me, I, I have a history with... Um, 
you know, losing people to cancer. When I was three years old, I lost my dad to cancer, so I never really got to know him. But it made a huge impact knowing that there was something that could um, take somebody very quickly and, um, you know, be so devastating. And then when I was a young adult, I lost my uncle uh, to cancer. And he actually was the healthiest. He had a really healthy lifestyle. He worked out every day, swam every single day, um, you know, his whole life. That was his, he was all about being healthy. He had a clean diet. You know, he, he ate like chunks of garlic before it was even a thing. <laughs> I mean, he was just really healthy. And I thought he was going to live a long time. And he was a role model for me in that respect. And uh, so when he was diagnosed with lung cancer and was gone pretty quickly after that, it was really a huge blow to me. And um, so then I lost my stepdad. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, my stepbrother to uh, cancer a little later. Now, we weren't so close, but just to see, um, you know, a diagnosis happen, uh, to see him begin to kind of still to handle it and to be okay, and then quickly go, that was um, just really jarring. And uh, so, yeah, so here I am, I'm engaged. And um, we're set to be married in, I think, about five months. And I hear that he has cancer. And a lot of things go on, of course, when you hear something like that, shock, disbelief, denial, anger, frustration um, from him. But for all me, the good, um, all the good was, stuff. Sure. Yeah, exactly. From him. But, you know, for me, it was I I'm kind of a stubborn and unreasonable person and logic and seeing what's happened in the past doesn't really always inform what I think about doing in the future. So the fact that, you know, cancer is supposed to be incurable didn't deter me. I was determined to find something. Uh, and even if I never found anything, I would keep looking because, uh, you know, until I couldn't look anymore, that, that was sort of my mindset because I wasn't going to lose yet another person to this without a fight. So, um, so I had this functional training, functional, um, health coaching practice, but I dropped it. And, um, that was a mistake actually, as a caregiver, helping another person through something like this, the last thing you want to do is feel like they derailed your dreams, but essentially that's what ended up happening. I, um, I didn't, uh, do anything to build my practice. I just dove into, uh, whatever research I could find. And, uh, I, I, I looked up at the top people in the industry and, uh, the holistic industry. And, uh, I guess I have to double back and say that. So my, um, now husband exhausted the medical model of care. Uh, he did everything the doctors asked him to do chemo radiation, uh, low dose radiation. And, uh, he did some surgery to help remove the tumors and they just continued to grow and to grow and to grow. And he actually didn't tell anybody what was happening because he uh, didn't want to worry anyone. And he had that a serious back injury. And out of 5,000 people who had the surgery, he was the one, the only one uh, that was able to walk again. And so, you know, doctors have performed miracles for him in the past. So he was completely confident that if there was something to be done, it would be through the medical model of care. And uh, so he had exhausted all of it and the tumors continued to grow and the doctor said to get his affairs in order. And so um, he didn't tell anybody up to that point what was going on. And, you know, I had said before um, when we met, um, you know, I've lost a lot of people in my life and I I know that, um, you know, you have some health issues. I love you and I want you to be with me, but I really need you to commit with me to, um, you know, be committed to help work on your, your health And so he thought, you know, because this diagnosis happened, this was the end of our relationship, which is kind of ironically what he said the biggest 
um, blow to him that he would be losing this relationship, which was really sweet. But he thought maybe the doctors could fix him and then he could either not tell me or just tell me afterwards. And it didn't happen. And the day came when he had to tell me, look, you know, this is what's going on. And it's really interesting. He had a couple of friends show up to help him pack that day. That's where his mindset was during that time and that he would just go off and he would just, you know, get his affairs in order. It was part of getting his affairs in order, in fact. And so, um, yeah, when I heard the news, it was quite a different reaction. Um, you know, my, my thought was, well, we were already engaged and I was already committed to, to being with him and the boys love him. So it wasn't, um, you know, he's, we, we weren't going anywhere and we hoped that he wouldn't either. And he was very conflicted also about marrying somebody and making that person a widow and uh, was thinking about backing out. And so I had to, you know, it was flipped. I had to ask him, he, he proposed to me, but I had to go back and ask him, you know, will you stay? How old were your boys at the time? My boys were, let's see, you're going to make me do math. Um, this was, uh, well, actually, it's not that far back. It was, we got married last year. Uh, so 2015. And so, um, yeah, so the boys were 10 and 12, uh, I believe, when it happened. Um, okay. But, yeah, so th they were in a place where, um, you know, it was really important to have a male role model. And uh, they and, and the other thing that goes through your mind with this is uh, as a single mom and, get, and getting into this situation, you know, Whatever might happen, do you really want your kids to be going through this and to see this, you know, if it's the worst case scenario? And I, I concluded that, you know, that my job wasn't to prevent them from experiencing these life events. My job is to help them through it. And that I didn't want, and it's not in my nature to turn away from somebody just because it gets hard. And that would be the worst example of doing something like that to a person. I guess there's always a way to reframe a situation, but uh, I talked to my kids pretty frankly, and since they could understand and to their age um, level, you know, I, I was always very frank with them and honest with them. And so um, they, they were aware of what was happening as it was happening. You know, this is happening. This was a diagnosis. Do you have any questions? But I believe that my job is to help them through it and understand it and get through whatever happens. And so that's really the spirit of how I address that question. But the other question was, how am I going to feel about doing caregiving? Um, dialing back to 2009 to 2012, I helped my mom through the end of life care for my dad, my stepdad. And so I have an understanding about that, how that process works. And, you know, you, you don't know what's ahead. But then I think that's life. And I think the reframe is, you know, this is going to be an intense ride. And I'm, I'm honored that I'm able to walk through it with somebody because he didn't necessarily want me there with him. Um, so that was, um, yeah, 2015. So we're almost on the three-year mark. And uh, what I ended up doing was diving into a lot of alternative therapies, but because my husband didn't believe in those uh, therapies, uh, he really just uh, followed along what I was saying so that I felt like, or though I, so I would feel like I was contributing somehow to his healing, to his quality of life. And so not believing in some of the things I was asking him to do, he followed along and he looked at the books I was sending him. He watched some of the videos of people with their healing stories and uh, some of the science behind it. He's an analyst and statistician, mathematician. He's all about facts. And so I needed to quantify things for him. 
And yet he still didn't believe it. Uh, but as he was trying different things, uh, we couldn't go to some of the really high level therapies. I actually looked a lot of them up and talked to some of them because uh, my husband didn't want to invest in those because he didn't want to do that and take away from, you know, something that could potentially money that could potentially go to my kids, our kids. Sure. And so we had to go back to the basics of, he said he would only listen to me. He didn't mean to pressure me that way, but that's a lot of pressure, right? When, because sure. he was saying, he was saying, I'll just do what you asked me to do. But in his head, um, he was thinking, there's nothing that can be done. And I thought, there are all these practitioners, um, and we can, we can do a lot. And so sure. and, I, went, and yeah. I, I get I get that angle as well. It's like I don't believe that this stuff's going to work. I'm yeah. not going to drop a hundred thousand dollars on a therapy exactly. that I don't think is going to work when that could end up paying for a couple of years of college for both of these kids. Like I'm not going to. So no, I get I totally get that. Oh, absolutely. And for me, I, I, my perspective was well, I had a different belief system and, and idea about health and health building, and I thought, well, that we can make that money back. And you know, who, what's more valuable? in this moment to my kids and what's the the value of a life um you know there was a clinic that was ten thousand dollars i think for a couple weeks and therapy and time away from home and the other aspect was you know i don't know how much time i have and so i'm not going to spend that time away so uh, he said you know i will only listen to you and what you have to offer and all i had to offer i say it in a very like a uh, diminishing way but it's really at the time, really how I felt. All I had to offer was my functional diagnostic nutrition background, you know, something that I just received. And so that's what I went to. And because he didn't believe in it, I had to spoon feed, you know, the, the different pillars of health and really move slowly. And uh, there were a lot of things he wasn't willing to do because along with just, you know, the diagnosis and everything, he was obviously depressed and just not feeling like extending anything or making any kind of effort. And so I had to introduce a lot of the basic concepts of building health to him very lightly. And, when you're uh, talking when you're talking about the basic pillars of health, what exactly are you talking about? Oh, yes. And so um, the pillars of health are just the foundational things every human has to do to be able to maintain health. We live in a day and age where we have a lot of insults to our physiology. And uh, I, I'm of the belief that in order to be... Um, healthy and be thriving, you have to have these in place. Uh, but especially to somebody whose health is compromised, uh, these are uh, not, not optional. And so their uh, diet, what you put in your mouth, you could either be increasing your state of health or, you know, it's information, or you could be doing something to further uh, take yourself further down to the stage of disease. Um, then there's sleep or rest. And that's when your body repairs and restores and where you're actually detoxing too. And then there's exercise and movement. Your body was made to move. And so, you know, uh, it, whatever you can do uh, to your level, you should be moving or doing something to move your body. And then there's stress reduction. They say that 90% of doctor visits are due to stress. And I didn't really understand truly what that meant. But uh, in functional diagnostic nutrition, there are six different biochemical stressors. But then, of course, there's the everyday emotional stress, you know, the, the emotional vampires and people in your life that you know, really don't amplify your happiness and well-being and they stress you out or, you know, situational stress or just how you're perceiving things, you know, the things that you tell yourself or the, the way that you're looking at a situation that's making you feel like it's not less than optimal and setting your fight flight signals off. And then the last thing is really um, uh, supplementation just because our food source isn't really as um, 
nutrient dense or mineral rich as it used to be. I, I read that for, um, I guess in order to get the same amount of nutrients from an, an orange in your grandparents' time, you probably have to eat about eight because the soil Jeez. is so depleted. We've farmed it. So you know, we've over farmed it. It's a depleted. And so we're not really getting the same value. And so if you can imagine you eat a normal diet with what you think is healthy food, you're really not getting that into your body. I mean, it's, it's not... Um, the same as your grandparents' foods. And so it's been argued that supplementation is necessary to really be able to make up that difference or you increase the volume. And, and that's something that some, some people are doing as well, or both. And so, um, you know, in some cases, supplementation is necessary. And so those are the pillars of health and those are the things that uh, is accessible to everybody. And so, you know, we were looking at, I was looking at, you know, ozone therapy, you know, um, uh, multivitamin IV, uh, vitamin C IV, and just a lot of really high level um, therapies. But, you know, that wasn't accessible to us because he wouldn't do it. And so we went down to the simple foundations, really basic things, things that, you know, our parents, our grandparents, you know, generations back had in place. And I think they had it right. And we were kind of moving away from that with the way our society is moving. We have technology, we have this 24 seven access to everything. Um, so we're not sleeping. Um, we have like um, EMFs and we have the toxins and all the foods and chemicals that, you know, the, the fake foods that we have packaged and, you know, processed until it's not recognizable in our grocery stores. And then, um, you know, people are becoming more sedentary if they're working their, you know, their high stress jobs, you know, they're having less people do more. And so it's just a perfect storm for building a state of disease. And in fact, that's what's happening. If you look at the statistics, people are getting sicker earlier and on medication. Um, you know, I, I've heard that I want to say, um, gosh, maybe 70% of people in their uh, midlife, I guess in their 40s, are on some form of medication. And, uh, you know, that's that's not okay. Or or how about the other diet, uh, the other... Um, statistic that says that this will be the first generation that doesn't outlive their parents because they're being exposed to these things. Obesity is going up. And if you look at our kids, you know, obesity has gone up in, in our children and adults. And so it's kind of scary. So, you know, I've also heard uh, somebody say that something like uh, cancer or any chronic illness is a tap on the shoulder to remind you that maybe there's something you should be doing to take care of yourself. And, and that's how I saw the whole thing. I think it's important to kind of think of how you frame the situation to inform how you're going to respond and to say, this is terminal. There's no hope you're going to die. I think was in my mind, not very helpful. And of course, you know, with somebody who really believes in the medical model of care, it was like a programming. Here's your marching orders. Uh, and for me, I had to counter that. I had to spend a lot of time countering that. And although classically we were told that, you know, the five pillars of health are diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and supplementation, I would add on top of that, and actually on the very front and center is mindset. Because um, when you believe that you can improve and you believe that you can move forward and, and get better, um, I think you can. And so... Um, yeah, it, it, applying all of these basic pillars of health has really helped my husband turn things around. And it was really beginning to believe that this could happen. So now we're, um, 
almost three years after the diagnosis, and he was given three to five years to live. And, uh, you know, he took that first step and the next step, and then he started seeing possibility. He started feeling better. And then he started taking on some of the more, I think, um, high-level therapies, um, still accessible from our house. Uh, we got an infrared sauna, a far infrared sauna, and all these other things to help him along. But they were simple things that other people can do to help rebuild, you know, their state of health. And so the tumors actually stopped spreading for, well, last time we checked six months running. So there's hope. Uh, not only that, but we've actually given him six months of quality of life. The last suggestion that the doctors had, uh, it was to cut his stomach out and to take out a lot of his intestines. And if he did that about three years ago, he would be homebound uh, because he could only take food by IV or, yeah, and then he couldn't really leave the house. And so what kind of quality of life would he have had? And so- Yeah, I mean, and th that- that is so in line with how I think as well. It's just I, and maybe it's maybe it's just because I'm healthy. I'm not in a situation like this. But if somebody tells me my my choice is okay, I can extend your life another six months to a year, but you can never leave your bedroom, and you can't you can't taste food again, and you can't walk you know you can't walk down steps, but you're alive. Yes. I. I don't really know if that's a bargain I'd take. Like I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that that choice is different because now that I've now that I've got two small kids, I've got one who's going on two and a half and another that's that's right about four months. You know, may, maybe that perspective changes now versus when we didn't. My wife Carrie and I didn't have kids. I don't know, but in my head it hasn't changed yet. I just I don't really see quality time in my bedroom as being quality time. Right. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. And for him, you know, he's very, you know, independent person, very, um, you know, he's proud of, he's, he's gone through a lot of ups and downs and challenges in his life. And so, yeah, you have to think about, is this really the quality of life you want or lack of? And also, how is that going to impact your family? Is this how you want them to, you know, it's a very personal choice, but sure. uh, for him, it, it was absolutely not what he wanted to do. And, and by the way, it wasn't going to save his life. It was going yeah. to extend it. Uh, exactly. So how would you like this to, how would you like to exit? It was really the question. And so when he said this wasn't something he was interested in doing, uh, we were basically, you know, uh, off the medical model of care. We were off the medical grid. So um, so that's why I ended up doing what I was doing, um, trying to find something I could do to help him. And the first really was to convince him that there were possibilities out there. And when that happened, it, things started moving. But it was very much a, you know, a slow process and, and really, you know, starting with really simple things, you know, um, eating actual real foods, things not that aren't boxed or packaged, just starting with that. You know, there are people who want you to, th you know, clean out your cabinets and throw anyway, but he wasn't in that headspace. So when we got rid of something from a box and um, we, we'd throw it away and then replace it with something from the produce section. And so, you know, and it felt like it just wasn't going to happen. And I felt like time was working against us. And I began to feel like, you know, that I can't, there's nothing I can do. This is 
this is just chipping away a little bit at a time. Um, but now three years, almost three years into it, um, you know, we, it's, it's been, if you look through our house, it's a completely different household. Um, we have mostly leafy greens, you know, healthy whole foods. Um, we minimize eating packaged foods for him. He used to love eating peanut butter, like by the jar. <laughs> I would, I would, um, make the morning breakfast for the boys and I'd see this giant pit where the like this uh the peanut butter was supposed to be and I decide to make something else or he would um he loved crackers cookies he liked chips and all these other things and we were able to find swaps uh, just little by little because he was the peanut, you know, but- the peanut butter absolutely makes him a man after my own heart <laughs> Well, I love it too. So it was a kind of counter to what I wanted to have happening in my household. <laughs> it's like sure. fighting over the peanut butter and the ice cream. It was like the state of nature who gets to it first, right? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, we, we got rid of that. Didn't seem, it seemed like it was impossible to be able to find swaps because it made, you know, this is core, core, like it's a style of eating. And, um, you know, so now he eats blackberries. He actually does like his green juices and it all happened over time. I mean, when I met him, this man had Sprite, um, you know, and he liked fast food. He can inhale half a pizza. And um, uh, he probably wouldn't appreciate me saying that. But anyways, fact is fact, Martin. So, um, yeah, there's just now, <laughs> now if, if, he, um, if he wants a snack, then he'll have maybe some raw nuts. And, um, you know, he he's just changed around the way that he he eats. And at first it was begrudgingly and now he can feel the difference. And so it's just part of his routine. Um, and he's, he's finding healthy foods that he likes. And I think as you start eating in a more healthy way, um, you start actually your palate changes and you start liking the foods that you're eating. And, and if even not that, he understands how he feels afterwards. I can definitely speak to that myself. Yeah. Cause the, um, my, both my wife and I eat, um, eat, a way called uh, a way of eating that's called slow carb. Oh, um, yes. it, it was actually it, uh, Tim Ferriss talked about it in his book, The Four Hour Body, initially, mm-hmm. which is how we came across it probably six years ago. And yeah, so it's it's funny because when when you start cutting out a lot of the things mm-hmm. that eating that way triggers you to do triggers you to do there's there's a little bit of a withdrawal phase like the, yeah. those that that first month or so like you're kind of dying for your pizza and your it's ice cream real, and whatever right. just it, it's re- it's real it is it's real there's a there's an absolute addictive quality to this stuff but once once you very much like an addict of other other illicit stuff once you break the plane and once you get past that phase you have no idea how you ever had that stuff before like it's like when when you come back when you come back to when you're eating slow carb, just to kind of get the the basic framework, one of the principles is you're not allowed to drink calories. So mm-hmm. that's just what one of the couple principles of slow carb is: you don't drink your calories, meaning no like no sugars, no heavy creams, yeah, you know, stuff like that in your coffee, or you know, no no juices because they're really heavy in sugar, stuff like that. So you know, so lots of water, lots of tea, lots of black coffee. Like in my case, I mix I mix either ghee or butter and uh, MCT oil or coconut oil in my coffee. And it's it's incredible. But now when I go when I go back and 
on, on my cheat days, whenever I end up having coffee with like cream or sugar in it, like it almost knocks me on my ass. Like it, yeah, it's really, right? it's really, it's really incredible. Or, or I'll have, we'll go to a restaurant and I'll have a sip of somebody's orange juice and it turns my mouth inside out. It's like, oh my God, how much sugar is in this stuff? And it just, your, your body <laughs> just wants to kick it right out. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. It how, yeah. Yeah. Do you absolutely. think it's a willpower thing? Like, oh, I have, I mean, initially, right, on the other side of it, uh, you know, I'm going to have to live this. This is all about willpower and it's just going to be really tough. But no, it's, it's sort of like. It's absolutely biological. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's like you take yeah. a red pill, blue pill. You can't go back, man. <laughs> after, you, no, after you really yeah. deep dive into it, um, yeah. you know, you, actually, that's not true that you can't go back. You can slowly backslide. If you start, okay, I'll just do this one. And then, you know, as with any, as you say, an addict, and I truly was a, a carbon sugar addict, um, yeah. it, it can really make you backslide pretty quickly like any drug. So you have to be mindful of it. But when you're really clean and you're you're in your zone and you have your routine down and as you build it up over time, it becomes more solidified. Um, you know, it's hard to think of going back to that and, and understanding like feeling how you feel. Yeah, it, it, it makes it not so much about willpower, but more about wanting to feel good, wanting to be wanting to be your best, and knowing that you're you're fueling your body and not polluting it. I mean, it's a huge yeah. shift in how you think about it, a reframe. So, absolutely. And um, yeah, so I, so I mean, I would say in in kind of looking at looking at what your story was, you know, in help in helping with your husband. Like, if you know, if somebody's listening to this show where they're dealing with something similar, where they have a family member that's dealing with a health condition that might have the medical establishment stumped or at the very least, you know, has them start starting to run out of options. Like what, what resources do you sort of point to either yourself with your husband or just with coaching clients of yours? Like what, where would you point some people to try and, start working their own angle, whether, whether they've completely exhausted the, the established medical practice or not, like what are some things where you would start pointing people in the direction of that would allow them to start trying to take a little bit more responsibility for their own actions? Like what, where would you start? Cause I mean, obviously it's yeah. a rabbit hole. Like there's Absolutely. everybody, it, it is a rabbit hole. Like everybody has an opinion, especially when it comes to, the we, we th yeah there are 10 almost, different I mean, there almost, are hundreds of different diets out there there yeah, are hundreds and it's almost becoming and it's almost becoming like anti dogma like it's almost getting to the point where oh my god the medical establishment is so evil they're so in the pockets of big pharma and so and which which might be true I don't know that like that, that might be true. I don't know. But when it starts to, when that opinion starts to spread, it very quickly evolves to there is like information that comes, the, uh, the evolution happens very quickly where you go from saying the options that are sanctioned by the medical establishment have their limitations, you should be willing to explore other options. That very quickly can evolve to the medical establishment is in the pocket of big pharma and they'll do anything that they say regardless of the health of the patients, which then immediately evolves to nothing that modern established medicine does works. 
It's all snake oil. They have no idea what they're doing. Ignore it. Don't do anything that they say. And here, just buy this potion for seventeen ninety nine yeah. a week. Yeah, yeah. The, and the, it, it can very quickly get to that. It gets to the point where it's almost anti. You know, it's dogma. And the the, the Western the Western medical establishment has had its issue has had its issues in the past. But clearly what's happening is working or at least working for some people. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't have stuck around this long. So when when we're talking about ways to improve one's health within the framework of how medicine is structured in this country, there are certain there are certain things that you can do on your own that won't completely derail what what Absolutely. your doctor, yes. what your doctor wants to do but that you could actually try to start contributing to your own health rather than just sitting back and saying, doc, I'm done. Fix me. Doc (laughs) can't fix you. Okay. Screw it. I'm done. You are hitting upon so many big points here. Oh my goodness. People take partnership. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Partnership. So like, I mean, where would you, where would you recommend people start to get started? And actually here's a bit. Let me ask a better question. Okay. Because this this sounds okay. like this sounds more like what your case was initially, and this is something that I've run into myself. Not necessarily when it, when it comes to health, but when it comes to other things that say my wife and I are trying to improve on, which is living smaller, decluttering, yes. eating yes. gluten, eating gluten, eating gluten free, exercising regularly. Whatever it is, there's detractors in your family. There's detractors amongst your friends that you just end up having to try and figure out a way to either get them on board or eventually you kind of have to just phase them out of your life, which is something that nobody wants to do. Yeah. How would you recommend your li- your living with a man who had thorough disbelief in anything that you were saying, but eventually he caught on? How? Yes. Where do you start? Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Um, you hit upon a lot of things I'd like to go back to and talk about, but absolutely to answer your question. Um, well, for one thing is, um, yes, absolutely. The medical model of care has its area of genius. Um, you know, surgery um, is where, you know, if I break an arm, uh, the grocery store is not my first stop. So, sure. <laughs> you know, absolutely. So, you know, they have their area of genius and absolutely medicine is allowing people to function. You know, there are acute situations where you absolutely can't function with some, some something. And, you know, uh, a lot of lifestyle, a lot of functional alternative medication or protocols take time because it took you a while to get into a state of disease. So it's going to take you a while to get out. And we have such a busy, we have busy lives and things to do. So medication helps with that. I think where we kind of uh, fall in the wrong direction is Totally what you said. When we think that this is the, the magic bullet, there is no magic bullet. You know, this is the thing that's going to help me limp along until when. Um, and you stop thinking uh, it becomes your normal. And so the canary in the coal mine, the thing that's signaling something's wrong, the symptom is quieted and you're not addressing really what the problem is and underlying it. And so you continue to progress in your state of disease. So um, I think that's where medicine, uh, allopathic uh Western medicine can um, work alongside the alternative model because really the the thing that's being addressed with the functional alternative model is exactly what you said. Do it yourself. I mean, what is your place in this? You're a partner with your doctor. You work with them. So it's not an either or us versus them. At the same time, I think there's a problem when we only rely on doctors. That's like 
um, you know, your computer, not putting your antivirus on there and only addressing viruses when they come in. I mean, would you do that? Because that's what you're doing to your body, right? I got another virus. Sure. Well, okay, let me fix that. And then you go back and you don't do something to prevent viruses from showing up, right? That's how people run their state of health. It drives me crazy. Yeah, no, or they're looking yeah, for that analogy. magic bullet, like you said, you know, that one thing. You know, I've got heart disease and I have um, fatty liver. What kind of pill can I take for that? I mean, that's just not how it works. And so sure. how did I get... Back to your, your question, though, um, how did I get him to um, help, get on board and make these shifts? There are a couple of things. One is um, I, I think for some people you, you have to look at and I think also the answer is it's individual or it depends on each person. Everybody's biochemistry and habits and motivations are different. And I can speak to his case. In his case, um, pulling the Band-Aid off was not going to happen. He was already in a lot of transition. His, he was already losing a lot of identity and who he was and taking his peanut butter away was going to be the end of him in that moment. And so <laughs> what's not the answer, okay? Cleaning, I mean, I think in a regular situation uh, with somebody who has uh, health issues but not life-threatening, I would say go clean out your cupboards. These are things to dump and these are the things to replace them with. Um, in his situation, you don't take away, you add. So every day you add something. Well, here's an extra green juice. Uh, okay, but it's just one glass. Okay, here's some, you know, um, some something else like uh, stir fried vegetables or some bone broth. Ugh, this is awful, but okay, I'm going to add it in. And so you slowly every day you start getting used to it. It's part of your routine. Um, and, you know, over time, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the peanut butter is not there and he's not under realizing it, you know, because I've eased it out. I've kind of like weaned him off of it. And now that's replaced by, you know, uh, other things. You know, he snacks on healthier choices. And so it, it took time. I mean, we were three years in and it, we, we did it gradually. And and the other thing is just by example, I think, um, you know, we're both rebellious people. I mean, I have to admit. So if I tell him to do something, he might just go the other way simply because I'm here with just my arms crossed sure. demanding. That's right. Like, no. <laughs> and so... um Leading by example, you know, just, okay, this is what I'm going to do and you can do it with me or not, but this is my decision. And he started seeing changes in how I was, I took out, um, you know, seven foods. I, I you were asking about books or resources. Um, I did JJ Virgin's diet. Um, and it's not really a diet, really. It's a lifestyle and it's addressing food intolerances. It's pretty brilliant. So she worked with doctors and they did food. And who, is, who, is that? who is that again? Yes. Her name is JJ Virgin. And uh, she has a book out. It's a New York Times bestseller. It's called The, the Virgin Diet. And it addresses a lot of food addictions, things that we talked about just earlier. But she okay. worked with doctors. They did uh, something called food sensitivity testing. There are foods that cause inflammation in your body. And because everybody's body is unique, their biochemistry is unique, um, you know, there are different foods that may be causing inflammatory responses. And so something that might be healthy for one person could be doing nothing for another person and could be, you know, deadly or, you know, causing inflammation to a third person. A really extreme example, of course, is food allergies. You know, I, my older son has, um, you know, a, a really serious high level allergy to cashews and pistachios, not the pedestrian nut peanuts, but the fancy stuff. And so, um, you know, if he gets a bite or if he puts it in his mouth and spits it out, um, you know, you will see him in the hospital for four hours getting monitored and getting, you know, shots. Uh, but for me and my rest of my family, it's a, it's a healthy food. Cashews, great. I mean, it's a new health food. They're putting it in everything, right? 
which is great, but not so great for our household because of this. So it's, everybody's biochemistry is very different. So food is like that in general. And that's why, as you said, any dogma about diet it, it doesn't work because you're looking at so many different, you know, your ancestry and your biochemistry uh, and kind of medications you're taking. These things are all sort of like a chemistry lab. That's another thing that the uh, JJ version says a lot. She's a mentor of mine. Um, you know, it's not a bank account. It's a, a chemistry lab. So when you put something in your mouth, it, it has a different reaction for each person. Anyway, so this diet, she um, started running a lot of these food intolerance tests. And so they take your blood uh, and or, you know, they they put it in with the food and then they see if there's a response, a negative response. And if so, then of course that's having an inflammatory response in your body. And so if you take that out, you know, especially with somebody whose body is compromised, you know, three of the driving factors of any disease, but of course with cancer is your immune system is depleted, you're nutrient deficient, and you have a toxic overload. And so the idea about nutrient deficiency, you know, you can't absorb nutrients if your gut lining is compromised. And so when you're eating foods that inflame you, that's what's happening. And so... It's important to have the right foods. And so that was one of the things that we started with. And so I highly recommend that. It was quite the game changer for me uh, because I had a lot of issues with um, food, you know, um, cravings and, and not, I mean, it was sort of like a drug addict grade um, kind of uh, addiction to sugar. I mean, that's why, you know, ice cream would disappear in the night. You know, <laughs> that was my thing. I mean, I would, um, I had these problems. I didn't understand what was going on. And so anyways, um, when I started on this program and um, he saw the shifts in my state of health, but also my mood and just how I was kind of ch changing and, and, and kind of um, like it's making my way through my days. It was not so it was more I, I was not all about what I'm going to eat next. And I, I didn't have to have a bag of chips or um, some ice cream next to me if I was stressed out. Um, he started sure. seeing some of these changes, not to mention our bottom line, because I didn't have to keep running out and replacing things. Um, you know, it was it was it it got his attention. And so he became more open to making these shifts with me. And as I said, you start feeling differently. And then food is just something you use to, you know, get through your day. It's not a crutch and it's not um, a source of comfort. And uh, I think that's a much healthier relationship. And for me, that's sure. been life changing. I've had those issues for a long time and thought this is just the way life is for me. And this is how I'm wired. And really, it was really about just the choices, the food choices. And so, um, you know, that was the thing that got him to shift. I think just doing it in baby steps, adding, not replacing. And as you're adding the good things, of course, um, the, the things that aren't so great start falling to the wayside because you just have a certain amount of capacity in your stomach. And so, um, and then just, you know, having the other person do their thing, take the light off you. I mean, I wasn't focusing so heavily on him and he started, you know, being able to step back and really looking at the situation, you know, she's doing better. She's feeling better. Um, and so I, I'll give this a try. And that started changing things around. So, yeah, now, uh, you know, it's it's really different in our household. You know, we and even down to the cleaning products, you know, there are people who say, throw all of the, the toxic chemicals out of your house. And what we did was we just, when, when the thing was used up, we just replaced it. And so over time now, you know, we have only the clean, low toxic or non-toxic. You know, we got a built Berkey water system, so our water's clean. 
And so didn't think I would be that person that would go to the restaurant and be the one asking what kind of oil to use, what kind of, but it becomes, you know, it's important. Your health is important and you can, people can roll their eyes and that's okay because we're, we're living a different life and I feel like I'm thriving. He it will tell you, my husband will tell you today, if you ask him, he is thriving. You know, he's working full time. Um, right now he's working a really stressful job and it's 14, 15 hour days, seven days a week. He's been doing this. I don't recommend it. <laughs> But, um, you know, uh, I guess uh, we're in, on the, what, 15, uh, five weeks, six weeks running. And uh, he's, you know, he sounds good. He looks good. He's he's doing fine. And so um, couldn't do this if he, he didn't make these shifts. And um, if he did it all at once, it would have been a no-go. He wouldn't have done it. So absolutely taking small steps and um, introducing new things and then slowly letting the the things that aren't so great fall to the wayside was was key. And and for somebody who's helping somebody along with this journey, I think it's important to know how to be a good source of support. Um, when I was, you know, looking at the, the panic in my face and seeing me coming home and seeing me behind, you know, 10 or 15 books that had the word cancer on it was not therapeutic. I mean, <laughs> it was not a good thing. And, and see, <laughs> it was actually very, you know, it, it, it caused dread. I mean, nobody wants to feel like they're a burden or the, sure. You know, yeah, but you, you, walk, you walk in it's like, it, and it can, it can, it can get overwhelming and not, it can get completely overwhelming. In the way, in the way of you know, saying it's like okay, let's let's walk into my husband's bedroom, and on his nightstand is a pile of ten books, all of which refer to death. And yep, like that was hmm. it. I was doing it. That was me. It's Absolutely. It's <laughs> so like it's like this is a really <laughs> uplifting room to be in. I'm like I that's really right. love spending time in my bedroom. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, that's I, and that's actually another little. That that's frankly that's another little step that I actually have seen myself along these same lines that really helps, which is just be aware of your personal environment and have things around you that keep you in the mindset that you want to be in. Like if you want to, if you're talking about beating cancer, there are plenty of stories about that. Radical or remission, yeah, it's a great book there's, to have out. <laughs> there's, you know, there's also plenty of books on topics other than cancer and dying of cancer and being cured of cancer and (laughs) or having anything to do with cancer whatsoever guess what exactly i'm a huge fan i'm a huge fan of mark twain i've read every book that he ever wrote and i've i've read every, every version of his autobiography i have his book scattered around everywhere None of them make me feel like I'm going to die. So, you know, th- there's there's plenty of things that you can force your brain to think about that isn't going to be something that's so mentally debilitating. No, that's so also I think so I think true. Yep. Yeah. I mean, really. So getting back when, to your point in mindset, I think that's a de- that's a definite neat oh, little gosh. first step that some people can take. That's yeah. I think that's such a great. Um, those are great words of advice. Absolutely, so true. Um, you know, there's a book called Radical Remission. There are hundreds, thousands of stories of people who, you know, stepped out or worked with complementary alternative medication and they were able to thrive. I mean, that's that's number one. That Actually, if you have cancer or any chronic illness, I would highly recommend that book by Kelly Turner. And, and that's she called actually ra- t- Radical Remission? 
Yes, radical remission. Radical I'll send that information to you. But it's uplifting. Um, I think when you see what other people are able to do, rather than just having your wife, uh, you know, shoved green juice in your face, it's a different approach. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so um, sometimes you have to defer. Uh, you know, a lot of times family is not considered, you know, doesn't matter how much research I do. The expert, sometimes you need to step back and let somebody else talk about it. Um, You know, people who've walked the path, who understand intimately what you're going through. uh, And and that's where I didn't know a lot of people. And so um, there's a great website, Crispy Cancer, a young guy was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer, and and he beat it with um, nutrition and uh, other uh, drug free protocols. And um, he's still around. And so he made it a point to share stories of cancer remission, uh, people and how they did it and how the path, you know, so that was one of the things also showing examples of success, you know, showing possibility, not just talking about it and not just putting things in his face. Here's this supplement. Here's this. This is going to help you. And let me talk to you about biochemistry. <laughs> Gag, right? So <laughs> let's listen to these compelling stories. Let's look at how they're feeling and how they're acting and how, you know, there's something on the other side of this if you're willing to consider it. You know, there are no guarantees, but I absolutely and 100% love what you said. It starts with your mindset. If you begin to see possibilities, you start looking for it, you know. I think that word, that phrase has been thrown around a lot, the reticular activation system, you know, when you think about something, uh, when something's pointed out to you, that you call attention to something, your mind just automatically starts to look for it. You know, red car, and all of a sudden you start seeing red cars when you didn't really see so many before. And so- yep. it's, um, like you, you start- it's like you just bought you just bought a Subaru Outback and now every other car on the road is a <laughs> Subaru right. Outback, which I didn't know there funny. were five like, people in my neighborhood with that car. <laughs> exactly, right. yeah. It was yeah. like my wife. It was like my wife and I bought a toy. It was like my wife and I bought a Toyota a couple of years ago, and then we realized that literally there are nine Toyotas <laughs> within five houses of where we live on our block. It's, it's like just magic. and we didn't. But it's like and none of these cars are new. They've been there before ours. And I was like, we just didn't notice it until afterwards. Sure. I mean, that's, that's exactly how it works. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's how it works. And so, so that's the other thing when you have a serious diagnosis like that, it's something that makes you feel like to, to be okay. So it's one thing to be diagnosed and have that. And then another thing to suddenly embody, impersonate, live and breathe that one thing, one component of your life. It's not, you're the same person you were when you walked in before the diagnosis, but now you are cancer. You are autoimmune. You are diabetes. You are MS. And um, so so you don't want to live in that space. You know, it's going, you're, you're thinking it's going to take a lot away from you, but what can you do right now to beat it? Well, it's not to be, not become that. And to think of things that will help you thrive in the moment. Thriving may not be, you know, um, you can't think that far ahead. You never know. Uh, Surviving and beating that five-year death sentence. But it could be today having an amazing, you know, um, day with family and friends, people, you know, things that you love and not having thought about that, you know, that diagnosis. It's a victory and it's an everyday step-by-step thing. And uh, not having yourself programmed as that cancer person. And for the people around the person with that diagnosis, you know, sometimes I would catch myself looking at him in a way of, you know, like, oh, wow, I'm not sure what's going to happen. The future is uncertain. And he'll catch me looking at him. And a lot of people who are um, who have partners that are helping him through this, um, these kinds of, um, you know, terminal diagnosis or serious diagnoses, they talk about that. And it makes them feel deeply sad and guilty. 
And so, uh, you know, when you look at that person, don't look at that person as a cancer victim or that disease, I think, from the caregiver perspective. And I don't even like the word caregiver. I had to think of another better uh, word for it. But, you know, somebody who's with somebody who has a diagnosis, that's just way too long. That's not catchy. But anyway, um, there's a different way of being with that person and supporting that person. And uh, part of it is exactly surrounding them with things that they love, being super grateful for you know, um, the relationship. Um, so super grateful for the time and finding ways to really enjoy, build wonderful memories, no matter what, these are things that people should be doing anyway. And that's why I love, um, actually it was Chris work of Chris beat cancer who said it's a tap on the shoulder that maybe something needs to be improved in your life. And I've seen so much, um, so many, what what's considered miracles, but I've seen a lot of turnarounds, um, after something like this, a diagnosis, and it doesn't matter what kind of cancer and how much it's spread, I, I've seen people turn it around in really miraculous ways and tell their story with um, medical records and everything to show that, you know, it's it, it happened. And so, um, yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything you said. The, how you surround yourself with the things that um, amplify your happiness and not take it down is very critical. Well, Dory, I think that's actually a, a really great place to wrap up. I mean, that's a that's a good sort of button onto this topic. Um, one one last question that I've got for you that just kind of brings us back to making finding ways to make small incremental changes that are that are actually impactful. And this can this can be limited to what we've been talking about. This could be something that's completely unrelated that's just helped impact your 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 husband's sanity, however you want to take that, but um, the question that I want to ask all of my guests just for the for the audience so that they can possibly look at something similar, um, what purchase um, of $100 or less in the last in recent memory, would you say has had the biggest impact on your life? I mean, that can be some sort of a course. It could be a particular book, uh, maybe even one of the books that we've been talking about. Could it? It could be something that's helped you kind of keep a portion of your house organized, or uh, an app for your phone that just made your life a lot easier. Whatever it is, it could literally be anything. Just I like to make sure that we keep the the cost number down because it needs to be something for that somebody or really anybody can maybe explore and implement without really oh yes dramatically absolutely. impacting them. Like what would you say would be would be something <laughs> yeah. that costs cost under a hundred thousand the cost under a hundred thousand dollars. Let me try that again. That just cost under a hundred answer pool. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna so, say. <laughs> Well, for $100, um, definitely in the case of my husband and in building's health, I think that sometimes it's daunting to think about, you know, real food. How am I going to incorporate this into my day-to-day? And uh, your humble blender was in, in case, um, you know, smoothies. You can, you can, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time, but you throw some berries and even some leafy greens into the blender. And uh, for the family, I mean, you could put bananas and make something and put things in it to make it kind of sweet to help with, um, you know, getting it more palatable and something that you can drink. And so, you know, for that, especially in my husband's situation, it was an easy thing to do. And so actually the Humble Blender made a huge difference in our household because we had to make a huge shift in the food choices that we had. 
And, um, you know, and in his case, you know, with uh, colon cancer, it was difficult for him to absorb some nutrients. So it made it easy. And it was something he could do. He just and the kids didn't know how to cook yet. And so they could throw something to a blender, turn it on and they had breakfast or a snack. And so that made it really easy. And for me, I've had to do a lot of internal work. Um, You know, this was actually a huge journey for me. And uh, this sounds, is this going to, this is going to sound kind of quirky. I can feel eyes rolling as I say this or think about saying it. But for me on this journey, it's been an amazing um, opportunity for growth and um, shifting my mindset and how I see things, um, learning about resilience, learning about what it means to be present, learning about what it means to be uh, in gratitude and the importance of that. And as you said, uh, minding what you surround yourself with as far as like the things that make you happy and the people that, um, you know, that uh, amplify your happiness versus takes it down. It's huge. Um, And so uh, I I had this, um, see, as I was going through this diagnosis, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring her up again. Uh, but I was just going through this diagnosis. I, um, as I said, derail, I was derailed from building my uh, health coaching practice. And I felt like I'm going to stop altogether. I'm going to throw everything into this, um, you know, helping my husband. But I know it wasn't sustainable. We have a household. And to be quite honest, if things went south, I would be the support of my family again. And we live in a place where things are really expensive, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And so it was a real thing that I needed also be able to be sustainable, not only because, you know, practically speaking, but my husband had to see that I was continuing on with my journey to build my practice and follow my dreams. And so um, didn't know how to do that and felt stuck and paralyzed. And, you know, I think that when it's it's, it's one of those situations where when um, when the student is ready, the the. Um, Mentor peers, right? Yeah. I was watching um, one of my favorite podcasters, Sean Croxton's quote of the day show. And every day there's a quote that's presented. It's maybe 15 minutes long at most. And uh, the quote that day was, um, when you want to take the island, you need to burn all the boats. Um, I guess it's either that or you're stronger than you think. She has a lot of really good ones. And and then then the one who um, mentioned the quote was a woman named J.J. Virgin. And she was going through some serious life events. Um, Her son was um, hit by a car. It was a hit and run and left for dead. And the doctors told her that um, his injuries were so extensive that he would not survive. So it wasn't really worth the effort. He had a torn aorta and, and severe brain damage, not to mention broken bones. Now, she was able to take the situation, plus she was having this book launch uh, for the book I mentioned earlier, The Virgin Diet. And, um, you know, she was sort of in the same situation, but times 10, because she had this situation where her son, she's being told that her son is not going to make it and to let him go. And also, um, she's realizing that, you know, um, she's got this book launch, put all her money into it to become a New York Times bestseller, and she had to play full out in order to make it happen. And um, she decided to fight for her son's life and knew that in order to do that, she needed to be a huge success. And um, she actually made it all happen. She's a New York Times bestseller. Her son plays tennis and runs um, every day or not every day. I don't know his lifestyle, but he does. He's active and uh, he's an amazing artist. They thought that he would be brain dead because of the extensive damage. But she's on the leading edge of functional medicine or functional health practitioners are, you know, um, her arena. And so she was, uh, she reached out and she started something called the Miracle Mindset Academy. And at that time it was hovering around a hundred dollars, I believe it was, um, 
now over about a year ago. And um, I signed up because I felt like, you know, if she's going to help me get through this and actually thrive, um, you know, I, this is a really good deal, you know, and I looking at her story, I felt like there were no excuses. There's nothing that this woman wouldn't understand in my circumstances. And, and so um, something I never had before was a community. I'm a very independent person. And when I have, um, uh, when I have struggles in my life, I tend to turn inward. And this was the first time she had, she built a community. So there were people to reach out to and talk to. And it, it was a different experience in time of crisis. You had um, people who were on the same path, uh, different, different, of course, specifics, but um, on the same path of getting through something and rising above a challenge. And so when I made that small purchase, um, at the time wasn't so small because I wasn't sure what was going on with our finances. You know, I, I gained a community. <clears throat> I gained a mentor that um, talked to us on, uh, weekly through our challenges. And um, I've got some lessons on how to build up my mindset. And those are things that, you know, I think everybody should know how to be resilient, how to face your fears, how to be afraid and move forward anyways, you know, um, how to be sure. um grateful for everything and how to plan your day so that, you know, you have a goal in mind, you know, it's little by little every day, chip away every day, be grateful every day, wake up with an intention. Uh, These little things build into success and happiness and getting through the other side of a bad situation. Uh, Back to, back to one small, back to one small move at a time, right? Absolutely. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. So Dory, if, um, if anybody that's listening to this wants to reach out to you, um, yourself, either for your coaching or for any other reason, what, what's a good way for people to find you? Oh, yes. Oh, actually, I didn't uh, fully answer your previous question. So the the course is called Miracle Mindset Academy, and she has a book out called Miracle Mindset. But um, yeah, you can find me at um, optimalhealthbydesign.com. Uh, that's where I have my coaching practice and information about how uh, functional diagnostic nutrition FDN works and how to work with me. And um, there's also a podcast that I, I've launched. It's called Off the Medical Grid. And it's exactly the things that we've been talking about. Actually, you you really beautifully framed it when you say, you know, um, there's no magic bullet. And when medication or the doctors um, don't have all the answers, you can work with them. But then there's a lot you need to do for yourself in order to rebuild your state of health. And that's exactly what the whole concept is. And it, uh, it shares a lot about my story with my husband. And uh, he tells it in his own words, shares his experience. So you get to see, um, he wasn't always, you know, he's very, very frank. So you get to hear his journey and how he moved through the whole process, as you just now heard, um, the way I, I moved through that experience. Uh, and Got so it. those are the two ways where you can find me. Got it. Okay. We w- I will do that and I'll put links to those websites in the show notes. And are, are you, are you easily findable through the social media interwebs, like the Twitters and the Facebooks of the world? Or can, can people oh, find yes. you there as well? Um, yes. Thanks for mentioning that. I do have a Facebook. I'm on, you can find me off the medical grid on Facebook. And uh, what I'm trying to do is build actually a community of people. When we literally went off the medical grid, it was very scary it was against, you know, it was against uh, what all of our friends were doing. We were, uh, we were thought to be crazy, but that's not new for me. I'm, I'm actually often, you know, outside of the box and I, I actually enjoy being there, but not so much for him. So, <laughs> so I want to build a community that can help absolutely. And I thank you for sharing these ideas that we talked about 
you know, um, surrounding yourself with the things that you love and how to, how to be happy and, and grateful and how to help somebody through a situation where they find that maybe there's no hope, how to be so, so support in a positive way and how to take these small steps that add up to amazing things. Miracles can happen when you do that. It doesn't have to be, you know, all or nothing. All right. Well, Dory, I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a a total pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. No problem. Take it easy. Yeah, you too.